If you've had a cup of tea, please come back in. Lord, we bless you. Um, that you change us from the inside and, and, and you make us new creation and you constantly remind us who you've made us to be. We bless you and we receive our identity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys and girls. You all did a great job. It's only one guy. No, it's like three guys. Okay, so let's not talk to ourselves. Uh, yeah, welcome back. Again, if, you, if you've come in a bit late or you're just joining the stream now, I am Edgar Awar. Um, I am the lead pastor. Thank you. We're going to need that. I'm the lead pastor, and we are honored that you chose to spend your Sunday with us. And I just want to say I'm sorry I didn't realize there isn't any iced tea. Yeah. So it turns out the fridge isn't working. But I have to gloat a bit. I have iced tea. So. <laughs> mm. But it seems the hot tea is doing just fine. Why don't we come back in? <laughs> okay. So. Uh, if, you, uh, if you take the reverb just a bit out of this. So one day when I was a boy, um, right, how else would that have gone? <laughs> uh, one of my dad's friends was visiting from the States, and he was so surprised how cheaply we could find music CDs back then when, when the thing was music CDs. For those who might not know about that, this is circular things that they, you know, one side of them are very shiny. Those are music CDs uh, and DVDs. And you, you, you still can find them very cheaply around here, before Spotify. And... Um, uh, uh, he was very surprised how, how affordable and they're everywhere, uh, from Hillsong to Vineyard Worship. Actually, I sharpened my, my, my teeth as a worship leader on burnt CDs from the Vineyard, you know, uh, and, and Hillsong. I never got a, like, a, like a legitimate legal album until I was like in college, you know, and... Um, uh, <laughs> And I've always had a collection of music. One of, one of the worst things that happened, oh, why am I, why do we even? So uh, when I moved to Nakuru, my computer um, had a virus and I lost all my music and that was a sad day. Like I've lost all my music. Didn't matter that all that music was stolen, you know. And, and I know, you know, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to say about distribution and, and uh, ethics of all that. But in reality, piracy is just the way that the day goes. Like no, no, so many people here are just going, but, but why not? Why not get the latest Niger movie from, you know, Jamal Kuban, right? And, and it's okay until you become an artist. And this church has a number of artists. It's okay until you become an artist and then you don't want people to pirate your music. Like you, you want to earn from what you're doing. And, and, and you could argue that, well, it was, it was hard to find Hillsong and, and Bethel, no, Bethel wasn't, and Vineyard Worship around that time. But then we, we also pirated Joakali's music, we pirated, you know, Nameless's music, right? So it wasn't really about availability, is that we are living at a time when it's okay. Like, 
when, when I was first told, like, don't you think you're stealing? I'm like, no, this is, this is how we do it. It's okay. There are, there are, there are ways society does things that no one even questions. They've become our way of life. And on close examination, most of those things are wrong. You know, there are two ways in the, in, uh, of life, the way of the world or the way of Jesus. And those two ways are opposed to each other. There's the way of the world and the way of Jesus. Last week we started our, uh, another install, installment of our conversation in spiritual warfare. And we started talking about fighting the world. So we're talking about fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. And in last week's talk, I made a point that it's not about fighting human beings. It's not against your brother or your sister. They could be liberal. They could be conservative. They could be uh, uh, different from you politically. They, they could even worship different from you, but the war is not against them. The church needs to know that the war is not against our Muslim brothers. It's not. But there are elemental forces behind Every other thing we see on the surface are just symptoms. When we see corruption, when we see uh, 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 religious, um, what's the word? Uh, when, ah, I forgot. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, look at me. Anyway, all that are just symptoms of a deeper problem, of a war that is going on. And so the invitation that Paul makes to us is to bring every thought into submission under Jesus. Everything that our world offers us as an idea, we must submit it under Jesus. Like everything the world says is okay, let's ask ourselves, does it raise itself above the knowledge of God? And if so, we demolish it. And every thought that comes into your mind, the question is, what does Jesus have to say about this? So today we'll explore that a bit more. Specifically, we'll be talking about how we can mount a beautiful resistance because we are behind enemy lines. So we are invited to you know, feel a little cool and say it's, it's the la resistance. We are invited to, to mount a resistance as the church. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you speak to us. There'll be so much I'll say, but Lord, may your spirit just guide my words. And where it's just stuff from my heart, from my week, I, I just pray that uh, the, I, I'll be able to submit all of them to you. Speak to us as a church. Speak to us as individuals. Come Holy Spirit. John 15, 18 to 21. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would have loved you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they had obeyed my teaching, they would have obeyed you al yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent the world. The moment we start following Jesus, there are two ways in this world, the way of the world and the way of Jesus. And when you start following the way of Jesus, the world will be against you. The systems of the world will be against you. 
And he constantly reminds us that. Uh, and, and so do the, the, the disciples. It is either or. It's either Jesus or the world. And we have to say that out loud. And when you choose Jesus, the world will hate you. Yet if you follow the way of the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. And when, you know, when we talk about the world, the enemy of our souls, this is what I mean. Yeah, I, and again, I do not mean the, the people. I do not mean the uh, nature and, and, and the planet. Because those, those could also be other meanings of the world, even as used in the Bible. There's another meaning of the word world that even as used in the Bible. And we're talking about uh, the collective way of living that people of society call normal. We even defend it, we fight for it, and often it's completely, subtly or overtly against God. That is what I mean by the world. The collective way of life of a society, especially what, what we now call a secular society. So many governments are keen to write into their constitutions that their nations are secular societies. Now, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't care either way what, what's written there because it's, Jesus was around and, you know, dealing with, with the Roman Empire. He just said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. But we have to be aware that every time we talk about a secular society, we say, we're talking about a, a society that has a way of living, living collectively that is often against God. Um, Dallas Willard calls it, cultural, uh, uh, defines the word like this, cultural and soci uh, social practices under the control of Satan and therefore opposed to God. We have to be aware that the way of the world is opposed to the way of Jesus. How, how could you, how could you um, identify the world? When you say things like, it is normal for us to, what things do you fill it with? That's just the way we do things around here. What things do you fill it with? Nowadays, people of my age do this. What things do you fill it with? So as you think about what you fill that question with, you're beginning to see that, that our city, your family, this world has a way of living. Because you go, yeah, but of course that is what is expected. When you're arrested by, by police, of course, it's just, you know, grease their hands a little bit. That's how we do it here. We're beginning to identify the way of the world. So the, some things in the world, some things in the city of Nakuru are good. I love that uh, uh, when I came back to Nakuru um, the first Sunday and, and, and someone just said after church, hey, let's go for lunch at my house. Nakuru is so welcoming. It's so warm. It's family here. Plus, I grew up around here. So, well, I grew up here, around here. Anyway, sorry for the monologue. And so I grew up here. So this is home, and I love that there's still a sense of community. So not everything in our city is bad, but a lot of things in the way of our city isn't going to invite you to follow Jesus. There are things about Nakuru that will not draw you closer to Jesus. Don't get me started about Mawanga. You know, like, how do you even follow Jesus? No, <laughs> please, if from Mawanga, we love you, and that's a joke. Why does this church laugh at all the wrong jokes? So what does the way of the world look like? 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. 
it's, it's funny how Jesus and the disciples of Jesus don't mince their words. We, we would like them to kind of go, yeah, I think you can do a little bit of this. They're just like, this is what it is. Take it or leave it. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. As Come on, give me a little grace. No, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, and then he describes everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Jesus said, what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world? To do everything you'd want to do and lose your life. John is echoing the same sentiment. He's saying, listen, the world passes away, but if you do the will of the Father, you actually find life. So what are the ways of the world? One, the lust of the flesh. What this means is, is the, pu- the, the, the push to fulfill our appetites at whatever cost. I'm talking about our appetite for sex, food, travel, drink, fame. It's like we, we have certain base appetites that often play out in our body, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. But the push to fulfill them at whatever cost, that's what, that's what the disciples call the lust of the flesh. And it's an echo from the story of Genesis. And Eve saw that it was good for food. It's an appetite. Like, I want this now. There are often appetites that are playing out on your flesh. And I, w- I want this and I want it now. And so when Eve saw the, 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 the fruit and listened to the lie, she was like, oh, this will fill my appetite. And the world keeps saying the, uh, the same thing to us today. Oh, this will fulfill your appetite for this. This will fulfill your appetite for this. And who cares? Nobody has to know. Well, it's your body, your business. Come on. The last of the eyes. Which is to want whatever is shiny at whatever cost. It's greed for money, for ambition, the next vacation, the next car. I struggled with this when I lost my phone. I was like, I, I have to get the, uh, the, the newest phone in the market. And the Holy Spirit just was, really, do you have to? It's like, just because you can afford something doesn't mean you should have it. But the thing is, uh, the last of the eye, it's, it's like, I need to have that. It's funny. You could be earning X amount of money and you will be satisfied until you learn that your neighbor is earning X plus one. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, I need to have X plus two, right? Sorry, for everyone who hated algebra, I am very sorry. It's not, um, I would not do that to you. And it's an echo from the story of Genesis. And Eve saw that it was pleasing to the eye. It's like, oh, I want that. Imagine me in that car, the red X-trail. Yeah, for those who are looking, okay, sorry. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it's, it's Eve going, of all the trees that have the blessing of God, I want this one that does not. Of everything I have, I want this one that I don't. It's the same thing that happened with David when, when, when uh, the prophet Nathan told him about what he'd done. It's like, you, it's someone who has 99 goats, but says the other goat that he doesn't have. It's like, that's what I want. It's moving into a new house, it's like, ah, if it only had one extra room, right? 
than the pride of life. The pride of life, what we mean by that is, is the idea that we get to determine what is good and what is, uh, what is bad. That we get to determine morality. So it's the idea that we are in charge. Self is in charge. It's, it's the echoes of hands off my body. Majority is always right. Get rid of all authority. Authority has moved inside us. I decide what is right for me as long as it doesn't harm anyone else, which is often a lie. Everything we do, because we're very interconnected, always has an impact on someone else. But the lies out there, it's an echo for faith, and I can decide what is good for me and ourselves. We're the ones to decide what morality is. We're the ones to decide what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. We answer to no authority but ourselves. Our generation calls it authentic, right? I want a church where people are authentic. And that could go either way. That's a good thing. Anyway, let's, let's not get lost in the nuances. When we love these things, the love of the Father cannot be with us. You know, we've gotten to a place where we're at a time where what was once celebrated is now condemned. And, and we condemn everyone who refuses to celebrate such things. And, and, and for, 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 for a generation that is so keen to talk about uh, tolerance, we're not very tolerant. We're only tolerant with you if you agree with us. The author of the book, Sapiens, who's not a believer, uh, makes a, a point that, which is quite correct. That before, a, f a couple of years back, and it was God who determined what good, what good and evil was. But now authority has moved inside us. What I think, what I feel, but I feel, it doesn't make me happy. That marriage just, I, I was no longer happy in it. It feels good, then do it. The customer is always right. The voter knows best. And this is, the, this is the place we're in, and then we've normalized it as a culture and given it the stamp of approval and said, yes, this is the way of life. It's a steady slide from the Garden of Eden. Man's rebellion against God. When man partnered with, with, the, with the spiritual beings to rebel against God and try to redefine, the, the, the thing is always we're trying to redefine good and evil for ourselves. Then as a society, after hearing that lie, each one of us, as a society, we normalize the ways uh, that come up. It's like, well, I think I should do this, and so you should do this, and then we normalize it and it becomes a way of life. That is what comes up as the world. A.W. Tozer said, we navigate our place in the world by the north star of God and his vision of good and evil, God's vision of morality, without which we end up lost. We are a lost generation because we, we, we are a generation that constantly keeps saying, well, we want God out of society because we are wise enough to determine what's right and what's wrong, and I want to get what I want to get when I want to get it. I think this is why the prophet Isaiah writes, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Yet this is, this is, the, very, this is the very air we breathe nowadays. What, what is good is called evil. Any sense of authority is called bad. And what was bad is just celebrated and called good. And it's not that, that I, I feel like when we read woe, it's like sometimes we read it with like a lot of anger. Woe to you. 
I feel like the father is grieving. Whoa. It's just one of those ones like, oh, so sad to see a generation that calls good evil and evil good. And then culture just normalizes those patterns against God. Culture normalizes those patterns of calling evil good and good evil. And then in our, in our, in our, in our, in our generation, we call it being progressive. Now, there's a lot that has happened that is good and progressive. The, the, the constant call for, for, for women to be treated better, for the constant call for everyone to be treated better without discrimination, regardless of, of, of sexual preference, creed, and, and vote. Everyone has to be, that is indeed progress. That's good. There's a lot of good that's happened. But every time we find ourselves redefining good and evil for ourselves, let's be careful. That is not progress. And the church has to realize that the way of the world is an enemy to our soul. To love the world is to be an enemy of God. And if Peter stood here, if John stood here, uh, sorry, just in case you know a Peter and a John, I'm talking about like the guys who walked with Jesus. Though that Peter and that John, they wouldn't mince their words. I would like to mince my words. They wouldn't. They would just tell you, now nah, if you love the world, you don't love the Father. What we have is like a militant church on one end that, has, that is trying to Christianize society, trying to relive the, the, the quote-unquote golden uh, days of, of Christian cultures. And so let's pass Christian laws. Let's, let's make sure that this is called a Christian nation. And that's not, that's, that's not even helpful. Like, it's important to be engaged in the legal processes of the country. It matters. The laws of a country shape a people. But the bigger problem, that is a secondary problem. The bigger problem is what's happening inside us. That's why Jesus, when asked about taxes to a very oppressive government, should we pay taxes? Like, give Caesar what is his, but give God what is his. The bigger problem is inside us. Then on the other end, we have uh, the church that is no longer fighting the world. We're being swallowed up by the world. We want a, 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 a pastor who gives a TED talk, and, and, and it's psychologically uplifting, and, and talks that further affirm me and everything I choose, and uh, we want our worship team to be like a Saudi soul concert. Um, and it's an added advantage if the worship leader unbuttons a bit of his shirt like Bien, it's like, oh, this is authentic, right? And, and, and we leave churches because the music didn't sound too good. Like nowadays, ah, they're not quite getting it. Worship isn't, it lacks je ne sais quoi, the, ah, something. It's like, it's no longer moving me. Well, we're not even worshiping you. But anyway, we want church to make us feel good, right? And, and we, we, we want our pastors to say everything except challenge the way we live, except calling us out of sin. The world is becoming like the church. They should never speak about our way of life. He, should, he or she should not make a comment about cohabitation or divorce or drunkenness or sexual ethics because now we know better. In the olden days, they didn't know that it didn't matter. They didn't know that... that so, pastor, please, stick to your script. Jesus loves everybody, you know? 
Those things have passed. God, God is about love and tolerance. That's what God is about. And often when we, what we mean by love and tolerance, we mean what makes me feel good. What affirms my choices. What leaves me to do what I want when I want with whoever I want. That's what we're talking about when we mean love and tolerance. Sadly, that's not the kind of love Jesus talks about. It's so unconditional. It's so deep. It's so wide. It's so high. It's so, it's just much love that he wouldn't leave us where we are. He wouldn't force us. Jesus would look at people walking away from him and love them. And even ask the ones around him, do you guys want to go too? It's like, hey, you could. But he loves us so much to leave us where we are. The lie, the lie we are believing in, the, the, the lie that the, the world is telling the, the, the church is that you can do a bit of mix and match. And it's just not possible. A little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the world. We want to pick and choose what values we we like from Jesus, from the way of Jesus, and adopt which ones make us feel good from the way of the world. It's just not possible. You know, we like it when the Bible says, come to me all who are thirsty. But we don't like it when it says, crucify the flesh and all its desires. So we take that away, because we, we, and then we add the world's value of be true to yourself. Do whatever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Crucify, no, just be true to yourself. So we end up with churches that are so welcoming, which is important, but they never call people to growth in the way of Jesus. We like when the Bible teaches us, love your neighbor and protect all life. But we oversimplify we oversimplify the question of abortion. It's like, oh no, it's just, it's just about a woman's right to choose. And I say that knowing that that debate is, is beginning to happen in Kenya. And it's so easy for us to oversimplify everything so that at the end of the day we do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. We like the idea of grace that our sins are forgiven, but we hate the idea of growth. That Jesus would say, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Which leads us into transformation and conquering the evil and the sin that so easily besets us. So we would rather mix it with the world's value of the illusion that you're forever young. Live and let live. See no evil, say no evil, or however that metaphor goes. You only live once, so live now. Don't miss out. FOMO is a big deal. We want to blend in to minimize our discomfort. This is, this is to the church. When we go out there with our family and they, they're not necessarily believers in our workplaces, what happens is we want to blend in so that we minimize our discomfort by not standing out. You do not want to be the only 20-something not sleeping around. So it's like, oh, I just want to blend in. You do not want to be the only man who, who amongst other, other older Kenyan men doesn't talk of a clande. So it's like, I just want to blend. I don't want to cause disturbance. You do not want to be the only sibling who doesn't drink like crazy. So we, so we want to blend in and minimize our discomfort while trying to maintain the illusion of Christ-like behavior. And try, I'm guilty of that too. I, God has constantly been saying, no, this is not how you live. You can't, we can't do that. The world is not tempting you to abandon Jesus. It's telling you, 
it's telling you, um, it's, you can have a bit of this. It's not telling you Jesus or this. It's telling you, yeah, you can have this and still do this. Fill in the blanks, whatever it is. That's the lie the world is selling to the church. And we do not realize that the reason we believe that is possible is because we've bought into the lie that we are in charge of our theology of morality and not God. We've believed that lie. So Paul writes, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I like that he says, be transformed. Because it's not just about standing against the, uh, the lies of this world, but actually going, going against the grain. There are ways that my city has formed me that are not the way of Jesus. There are ways that your family has formed you that are not the way of Jesus. So it's not just about resisting the lies of the enemy, but also uh, getting the truth of, of the Father. It's about transformation. It's about constantly letting truth and presence to form us into the image of Jesus. We must look at God's word and pick the true, his truth, his truth about life, no matter how against the grain and uncomfortable it is. Letting God be on the throne is the safest surrender we could make. You know why this is hard? Because the lies of the world are pleasing to us. Let's be honest. There are things that I really want to not be wrong. And I feel like I would be happier if, they, you know. The lies of the world are pleasing to our flesh. That's why it's harder to fight the world. We'd rather make spiritual warfare about just casting out demons and breaking curses. Because the world hits closer to home. You know why it's hard? Because we've lived in these lies. It's the air we breathe. We think they're true. It's way easier to see trouble in other people's culture than your own. That's why, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, friends come here and, and find things that are weird or just different from theirs. And you go, oh, T-I-K, this, this is Kenya. Or T-I-A, this is Africa. Because they're going, oh, my word, this is different. But I guess that's how they do it. It's so easy to notice what's different in other people's culture. And I remember the, the time I traveled extensively, I was surprised how many wrong ideas I had about the West too. It's like, whoa. It's so easy to notice what's wrong with other people's culture. Because we live in our own, it's like it's every day. The, the lies sound as true. But the call of Jesus is to come out of the world. While in the world, do not live as if you are off the world. We have to land where God lands. On all things, even morality, even when we ourselves, because I want us to be honest with ourselves, some of the places God lands on issues we don't like. We have to land where God lands on all things, even morality, even when we ourselves will struggle through it because it's been our way of life, or we ourselves will have questions about them, or we ourselves will not like the stance, and our stance will become unpopular. So how do we fight the, the, the world? How do we mount the, uh, how do we mount La Resistance? How do we, how do we mount a resistance as the church? Because we're in the world and not of the world. We must go against the current. The church is called to be anti-culture. Even while remaining relevant to your culture, 
be anti-culture and you are the church when you're working in your offices when you're living in your family you're called to be anti-culture even while living in that culture become aware the second thing become aware of the regular programming of our city this city has a programming as i was writing this i, I was just thinking about this song this city's gonna break your heart yeah anyone know that song no okay spotify is great um yeah this city's gonna break your heart and god knows it <laughs> so you be aware of the regular programming of our city the media marketing social sites and and, and go against that especially when it, where it is opposed to god which is quite a lot of the times we must say no to our city for our city we've always said that we are a church for this city if we are going to be a church for this city we must learn to say no to the city we must look at the way the city lives against God and say we we will not live that way that's one of the ways we will love our city maybe the best way to love Nakuru is to disobey Nakuru now I'm not saying don't pay your taxes okay I wouldn't want to be picked up here just because anyway like even Jesus said pay your taxes and he told your people to disobey <laughs> uh, disobey its pull against God disobey its pull away from God when you go to the next party when you go to the next be present to go against the pool of our city be in community because this isn't a solo journey you cannot do this alone you will say no once and no twice and no thrice and then you just go oh come on how can I do this be found in community where you can be loved and encouraged and called out and strengthened be found in God's Word around proper teaching because this is how we fight our city's lies the ideas it gives us it's like what else do you replace them with only truth replaces bad stories I want to invite the band back on stage as we finish. I, I want to just do the, the next three minutes. I want to talk about very specific lies. They're not the only lies, but very specific lies that I felt are, are, are Nakuru's lies. And they might be just even general world lies. The lies of the world. It's happening to my language one of the lies this city will tell you is that we're not at war that we are at peacetime and spiritual warfare is a thing of the past people didn't know that that this was just a mental illness people didn't know it's like oh no th this doesn't exist this, this city will tell you that lie and I've seen a lot of people being freed from from demonic oppression to dare believe that lie and sadly a lot of people can be under demonic oppression or buying into the devil's lies because they actually believe we're not at warfare so do you invest in your spiritual growth do you pray anymore do you fast anymore or is that an Old Testament thing do you tithe or do you excuse yourself and say that oh churches have abused money the reason this is important spiritual disciplines are spiritual warfare this is how we fight 
This is how we fight. The second lie that the enemy sells in our city is that you can have a foot in, in both camps. That you can follow Jesus and still do X, Y, Z. A call to have a bit of Jesus and a bit of that. A little bit of Monica, a massa. Anyway, oh, Lord, I repent. What is happening? <laughs> sorry, sorry. That, that's a lie of our city, that you can have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of that. And I'm not preaching perfection, no. We, don't, we do not get to be that. Because as we follow Jesus more and more, we, 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 we learn more and more how broken we are. We learn more and more how much we need His grace. We learn more and more how, uh, where we need to go. But we get healed more and more. We get healed more and more. And patterns of our past get broken. And who we are begins to change. We begin to mature. But we cannot buy the lie that you can have feet in both camps. The third lie is, is the lie of individualism, especially amongst young people. You are not a self-made person. Nakuru will lie to you that you can follow Jesus without community. You were made for community. A friend of mine looked at me for many reasons and said, the opposite of being single isn't being married, it's being out of community. And of course, you know, it's like, like, well, thank you for unsolicited advice. Yet it's actually true, right? <laughs> oh, th Why does this church laugh at the wrong things? Anyway, God forgive you. You're made for community. You cannot follow Jesus alone just because you listen to podcasts, even this one. It's not the best one out there, but you know. You cannot follow Jesus because you pray sometimes, that you never lose faith. You need a community. The other lie of our city is that corruption is the way it goes. This is how we do it here. And I know that's a big, big animal to go up against. It's going to take forever to change, but we have to grieve. We have to grieve that that's the way of our city. We have to grieve when, 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 when we find ourselves. In the, how is it that the church doesn't even grieve that? Someone said, I was just like, oh my word, why God are you, are you being so loud? I thought you whisper. You know, if you have to sin to get it, or sin when you do not get it, then it has become an idol for you. It's what you're worshipping. The fifth lie, very particular about a, a city, is a lie about our identity and our calling. So many people, even here, in the presence of, of Westerners or even someone who's just from a bigger city, we have a problem with those people of Nai, they come around and we shrink. If you sit around people wealthier than you, you shrink. And I know it's remnants of the evils of colonialism and being Nairobi's younger sister. And, and we hide our tails. And God is saying, no, Nakuru, you are so much more. You belong at the table. Bring everything you've got. And just in case we forget, Nakuru, so many of Kenya's stars, gifted people, have come from this city. 
Sadly, when they make it big, they, they just can't stay in this small town anymore. <laughs> but Nakuru is the birthplace of so many worship leaders in this country. Nakuru is also the birthplace of so many political movements in this country. I was like, that's both good and bad. We have to engage in politics. But they've got to come here too. Nakuru, you have a place. You have a voice. And the Father is saying, rise up and take your place. Why don't we stand? Rise up and take your place. Hear the Father's song over you. So I just want to pray a blessing over us. Um, I'm going to go to the back and I'll be joined by a few other people. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you over anything. We're constantly saying we want to join God in whatever he's doing. So be it healing, be it restoration, be it comfort. If you need prayer, let us pray with you. We'd love that. And as the worship team sings, you're free to just sit in your father's presence or you're also free to leave. But when you do leave, say hi to someone before you do. This is what the Father is saying. He is pleased with you. He so loved you. So come before your Father in freedom. Bring your songs and party before Him. Be bold in your identity and bring everything you are to the table. Fear not, for I am with you. And Nakuri, you will see your sons and daughters brought back. And so, Lord, I ask that you just heal the places where our identity has taken a hit. Give us courage where we, we've, we've shrunk and, and hid our tails in that uncertainty. Father, I ask that your spirit fills us again. And we saw glimpses of that in the morning. And Lord, I ask for more. Even as we go home, more of you. That we'll constantly hear you telling us truth. I bless you now to go into this city. To your families, to your workplaces. To your places of study. And mount a beautiful resistance.